This is Arturo Capital's Research Lab, and I am Derek Fiebiger, the Chief Investment Officer. At Arturo Capital, we do a lot of research on blockchain projects. This research consists of reading white papers generally all day. Since sitting down and reading isn't always the most convenient thing to do, we decided to put them into an audiobook type of format. In the audio papers, we generally review position papers, philosophical papers, or FAQs. We like to focus our research on emerging blockchain protocols. So today we will be reviewing EOS, another emerging blockchain protocol that seeks to compete with Ethereum in the dApp space. Their chain proposes to do very high throughput, low latency, and fast finality using Dan Larimer's delegated proof-of-stake consensus protocol. EOS, an introduction, Ian Grigg. Abstract. Current technologies for blockchain fall short of providing what developers and end users need in order to contract together and to build large-scale businesses. We propose EOS, a performance-based and self-governing blockchain that provides an operating system for building large-scale consumer-facing distributed applications. This paper outlines the context, vision, and software architecture underlying EOS, which we are building to serve a broad and diverse group of users with smart business. 1. Introduction The notions of digital cash and smart contracting have been known for a long time, yet only in recent times have strides been taken with respect to implementation. This paper introduces the EOS.io software underlying EOS as a new platform for general value and contracting. EOS is presented against a backdrop of three existing champions because A, they represent a broad range of opinions as to the distributed ledger technology space, and B, are large enough to matter, and C, are familiar to the author. Bitcoin seemed to be the word on a blockchain that promised the inspirations of both digital cash and smart contracts. Although it captured the attention of the cypherpunks, media, and hodlers, it failed to make a mark on business. Ethereum attempted to fulfill the smart contract promise with an unstoppable world computer, while BitShares strove to open up the market for tradable assets. Hundreds of alternative Bitcoin blockchains or altcoins strove to make a small difference seem louder. Corda backed away from blockchain entirely and explored party-to-party workflow solutions. We are tantalizingly close, but no prize has yet been awarded by the end users. It is timely, then, to take a fresh look at what the demand is for from their perspective and lay down the basis and a vision towards creating a practical and performant blockchain trade infrastructure. First, We summarize the context of today's market for DLTs, also known as Distributed Ledger Technologies. Then we look at a vision of the end user's needs and how to meet them. Then we review an architecture to meet the market demands. Finally, a quick comparison with known systems and concluding remarks. For more technical details on the EOS.io software, readers are referred to EOS.io technical white paper. 2. Context 
the market. The market is competitive for all products, and DLTs or blockchains are no exception. What are the market offerings? Bitcoin might be seen as the chain of security, yet a strong chain is only as valuable as the business it is attached to. Perhaps recognizing this, Ethereum touted the worldwide unstoppable tiering computer, a goal that might appeal to computer scientists, but has seemed elusive to other disciplines. R3 built Corda to serve the needs of the financial institution, which is a large market, but also an expensive and exclusive one. This section examines those prior systems from the perspective of major architectural features or necessities which suggest benchmarks or assumed starting points that industry looks to. Consensus. With blockchains, we come to consensus over a block of transactions, such that no transaction conflicts with any other, neither in this block nor prior blocks. Also known as the two generals problem, there is a rich history in bringing remote actors to agreement such that I know that what you see is what I see. Bitcoin established proof of work or the Nakamoto signature as the way to bring an open entry community together over a shared or distributed ledger in which all parties hold a complete copy. This mechanism runs a lottery amongst many miners to determine who mines each block. Tickets in the lottery are competed for by a SHA-2 puzzle, and as this requires energy to produce, the winner of the lottery is rewarded with a fixed amount of Bitcoin. In effect, anyone can be a general, and the one that wins the lottery is the one that sets this moment's plan of battle. Following generals can choose to accept that plan or block or reject if invalid. The fully shared ledger and cost of proof of work running at 4% for Bitcoin and 11% for Ethereum at the time of this paper's writing have offended many. Permission ledgers were proposed to not only block those we want to exclude from enjoying the benefits of our ledger, but also bring us back to the computer science roots of efficient consensus. Practical but centralized designs well known in database science. Also proposed from time to time are proof-of-stake, exotic cryptography, and secure enclaves. Corda established that consensus could be a user choice at select points within a contract of transactions. By allowing interchangeability of servers called notaries that can mediate the consensus by any of the above means, Corda reduces the network operating cost to a level comparable to today's IT infrastructure. Value. Similarly, there are a wide variety of mechanisms to establish a fungible value such as cash. Smart card money in the 1980s to 1990s was typically implemented through persistent internal data stores in each card that negotiated atomic dual card transactions. In the same time frame, David Chom's eCash popularized the notion of a coin being a random number with a blinded signature that could be handed from user to user. Triple Entry established that each party could see the same receipt, each of which recorded a person-to-person -person transaction. Balance is calculated as the sum of receipts going in and out. Bitcoin uses the UTXO, or Unspent Transaction Output Concept, a state-driven layout. 
each transaction record spends a set of previously unspent values and creates new spendable values into the future. In contrast, Ethereum's virtual machine provided a database mechanism such that a currency could be constructed from a table, a significant improvement in flexibility, but opening up a wide surface area for attacks. These five distinct mechanisms suggest that the way to account for value is not yet a settled science. State transition. Bitcoin's block as a list of UTXOs lays a claim to state, being the nature of those coins, that block that chain at that time. The duality of the UTXO design derives from the need of the lightweight or SPV client to prove its incoming coins in a shared ledger. A receiving client with only limited access need only trace each single coin from a block position back to its origin in order to determine that an incoming transaction is good. The receiver does not need to prove anything outside of the incoming coins, such as the sender's balance, in order to ensure complete control of the value. This powerful statement that the blockchain is a graph of state was adopted broadly within the distributed ledger field. Even as Ethereum replaced the UTXO with its more powerful virtual machine, it accepted that state was the point of consensus over which all nodes needed to reach. On arrival of a new hash block, each validating node calculates and agrees on the precise exit state resulting from all contracts found in each new block. Contracts. Bitcoin added business logic to money by attaching validation scripts to its transactions to suggest a limited form of contracting, which popularly became known as smart contracts. Ethereum's notion of the unstoppable worldwide tiering computer provided more fully powerful coding, messaging, and data storage. Corda paired back these designs to validate and agree over UTXO-like state with command-driven changes, but also limit access to only the direct parties for confidentiality. Both Ethereum and Corda introduced more powerful high-level languages with which to express contracts. Performance. Bitcoin has established a general limit of about three transactions per second, TPS, at which point transactions can be severely delayed. Ethereum seems to be stretched at 15 transactions per second, and a recent congestion event was marked by a $2,000 transaction fee to jump the queue. The limits on a blockchain's throughput are many, validating prior claimed blocks, processing the new block, and mining. Corda avoids these limits for the most part as its consensus is via selectable, independent, and localized notaries, as there is no need for wider consensus than the parties. Every system is encumbered by the physical limits of network propagation times. Use Cases Notwithstanding the hype surrounding blockchain, there is relatively little hard evidence of successful use cases. Bitcoin establishes a single currency, but the explosion of altcoins, the failure of colored coins, and the absence of any smart contracts of interest suggest clear limits. 
Ethereum tried to break those limits, but to date, success eludes, unless one considers the somewhat circular use case of raising funds on the promise of future use cases, as marked by steady traffic in ERC-20 contracts. Perhaps surprisingly, EOS proposes two interesting use cases that have reached production and scale, being a distributed exchange, BitShares, and a social media site, Steam. The promise of smart contracts, however, remains elusive. Governance. The critical discovery of Bitcoin is not that we can mediate with cryptography or that the design is stable with decentralization and open entry, but that it must preserve these characteristics to survive. Entry by all is not only key to the consensus model of hash mining over the distributed ledger, it is also key to the survivability of the system. Previous digital cash systems failed because there was a center, which was attacked in one way or another, showing a failure in governance. As if to provide further abundant evidence, centralized exchanges in the Bitcoin era are frequently attacked with thefts, contract breaches, denials of service, bankruptcies, seizures, and enforced rule changes. Then, the world divides generally into two fully decentralized open entry systems typified by blockchains, and the converse typified by centralized and permission ledgers, with the space between the two being uncertain. Bifurcation over open entry raises the question of how the users govern, are govern, and how governance for the benefit works in both cases. The general approach in open entry starts with caveat emptor, which carefully sets a technical environment that is capable of most of what is required, but with enforcement of rights limited by what can be automated in code. Sometimes labeled trustlessness, this regime draws a stark line between that which is technical and strong as a chain and that which is at the user's discretion and therefore more dangerous. As time goes on, Institutional approaches such as improvement proposals and centers of power such as foundations or teams arise to deal with some of the dangers to users to a greater or lesser degree in success. Caveat emptor is typical of Bitcoin and Ethereum. In contrast, in the permission network or walled garden approach, only those permitted can enter and act. In this scenario, parties open an account, are onboarded by an agent, and can trade with a presumption of good behavior. Implicitly or explicitly, enforcement of good behavior is typically seen as out of scope at the technical level, although identity typically plays an unclear part. The downside is that the wall around the garden can be expensive to erect and maintain, and every year the gatekeeper charges more. This approach is commonly assumed within heavily regulated markets such as banks and the like, and is used by Corda. Neither of these world states are user-friendly. Users lose too much money through caveat emptor, and systems that start from permission become systems that discriminate either at the competitive level or the societal level. Users are routinely skeptical of either. 3. Vision. End state goals. What is it that our user needs? In the abstract, she wants to 1. Know her friends, business partners, and customers. 2. Communicate with them. 3. Be able to contract with them. 
in the small, make peer-to-peer agreements, and in the large, build a sophisticated business to be able to serve the market. Four, be able to retain and direct her value, pay bills, etc., as a necessary component of business, then all has to be done safely and securely. Five, be able to invest in a predictable business. This is a complex issue, but appears to require three components. You have to know that the ecosystem is advancing and not at undue risk of failing. You have to pay for development effort up front with reasonable payback in the future. And because she knows that things, contracts, assets, transactions, intents go wrong, she wants to be able to fix her difficulties, including with her friends, her business, and her assets, and quickly, cheaply, and without undue escalation. One caveat of arrogance, we assume her wants and her needs are synonymous. More precisely, we are making an entrepreneurial judgment call over what we believe the user needs and that she'll want it when she learns about it. The big idea. It has become abundantly clear that for one reason or another, the promise of universal peer-to-peer contracting and money has been excluded to the wider internet. Bitcoin is too unsafe, and its smart contracts opaque. Ethereum is too scary, too hard, too geeky. Corda is big corporate. Other systems have their weaknesses. All of them are restricted to the elite coder, and everyone has a different view. What is needed is smart business for the everyday person. An everyday distributed application needs to live in a global blockchain that handles the open entry treasured by the Bitcoin discovery has enough performance to build big business, is connected enough to bring people together, and is safe and secure enough that Wall Street's Gordon Gecko can trade alongside Africa's Mama Biashera without drama, without fear, without missing out. The target. The vision before us is a single global contracting blockchain that can scale up to handle a long tail of businesses negotiating contracts for mutual advantage in a safe and secure environment. In more practical terms, while there is much of value on the internet, we focus on what is mediated by the web and leave aside mobile and applications for now. What does a builder of a web application want? We assume that the target user is the web entrepreneur, and therefore, let's work backwards from that position. Principal features. Our design predicts a blockchain to handle thousands of transactions per second for business contracts that are captured in easy-to-use and easy-to-secure languages. The major features include... 1. High-performance messaging using event sourcing. 2. Delegated proof-of-stake. 3. Contracts as negotiation and intent, messaging at its heart. 4. Usability from the user to contract writer to developer to entrepreneur. 5. Governance for business and chain maintenance. The following section explores in more depth. 4. The architecture. The philosophy. In large part, the practical approach of the software underlying EOS is to extend the large-scale, high-performance blockchain experience in BitShares and Steam to support end-user business. Most of the elements have been proven to a lesser or greater extent. This architecture reassembles them for a new purpose, to build distributed applications. This section describes some important architectural differences that the software underlying EOS proposes 
against prior practice. For more technical details, readers are referred to the EOS.io technical white paper. The message is the medium. The EOS.io software design switches from the more popular consensus over state to the less familiar consensus over events. This approach marries the event sourcing pattern to a blockchain made of events rather than state. In computer science, a deterministic state machine is built as a machine of code, state, memory, and events both in and out. Every time something happens which causes a change, a practical machine saves intermediates to memory. And on restarting, it recovers itself by reading back those intermediates. In building a practical state machine, we have a choice between saving events or saving state, which choice depends mostly on what we are trying to optimize. A machine-saving state is more likely to be used in a context where we focus on what state it is in now, for example, databases. A machine-saving messages as intent is more likely to be useful when asking how we got to the state we are in now. For example, protocols or legally significant logs such as triple entry accounting. Restart is faster with saved state. Throughput is faster with saved messages. Because users need performance, the design saves messages. Restart of a messaging or event source machine is similar to recovering from the beginning, therefore incredibly slow, and optimizing startup means saving checkpoints back to state again. But, and here's a crucial outcome, in saving that state, an actor remains bound by the saved messages, not the state, so we can optimize heavily and even recalculate the checkpoints if needed. Precisely how we optimize is too big a topic for this introduction. But suffice to predict that the combined techniques can, in theory, take blockchain from three transactions per second to three million. Consensus. For consensus over messages, the EOS.io architecture uses delegated proof-of-stake, a two-tier governance structure proven in Steam and BitShares. In the first tier, block producers are elected into a round of 21. Each producer gets one block per round and is rewarded for the validation of incoming messages and production of the block of messages. A block released by one producer is validated by the next, and the next, and so forth. If not validated, it is not built upon. Similar longest chain mechanics to Bitcoin are followed, and in short order, the producers converge on a longest chain. A block that is accepted by a quorum of producers is declared immutable, and the chain of immutable blocks becomes in effect a checkpoint. Like proof-of-work, producers can censor messages, or they can front-run by introducing their own messages from their superior knowledge of the future. To provide light-touch governance over bad acts by producers, each round of producers is continuously elected by the community using proof-of-stake. Since this second-tier blockchain-mediated election is over the producers and not the blocks, the so-called nothing-at-stake weakness does not apply. In effect, a set of generals is chosen for a campaign and each get one turn. 
After the campaign, the civilian community asserts its view to replace any bad generals. DPAS avoids the tax of mining, releasing that substantial value back to stakeholders. Value from block rewards would be initially captured entirely by the producers. However, because they are elected by the community, they are incentivized to share the rewards by a scheme that producers agree on amongst themselves and promote to the community. By constitution, the long-term reward for producing blocks can be limited to, for example, 5% per annum. By custom, we suggest that the bulk of the value be returned to the community for the common good. Software improvements, dispute resolution, and the like can be entertained. In the spirit of eating our own dog food, the design emphasizes that the community votes on a set of open entry contracts that act like foundations for the benefit of the community. Known as community benefit contracts, the mechanism highlights the importance of DPOS as enabling direct on-chain governance by the community. The contract. The architecture comes closer to the nature of contracting by treating contracts as a dynamic expression of negotiation, commitment, and events, rather than the more static interpretation of the four corners of the page or the performing code within the machine. We propose that messages are the natural element of contracting, as they better capture all phases of successful contracting. Negotiation, intent, performance, and breach of obligations are all events better captured as messages than, say, state. A user writes a contract as a virtual construct of interlocking handlers of messages. A user can convert her account into a contracting agent by adding message handlers and using her account's inbuilt database-like store to hold the internal position of her contracts. Several message handlers working together can mediate a flow of messages so as to perform a complete contract or legally sound agreement through its life cycle. From the perspective of a contract, the arrival, acceptance, and processing of a message is a simpler abstraction than state. Consider an order processing book as seen in a market for exchange. The book accepts bids to buy and offers to sell. When the time comes, it has to calculate a price at which to cross, and then issue accepted orders to both sides. An order book in a messaging-based system is committing to its set of incoming messages and outgoing set of messages, which is a relatively tractable task. In contrast, in a fully state-based system, all traders have to negotiate the acceptable state to all of many parties, including quantities and prices, before submitting a final state to the blockchain. This implies that traders would get to peek at the solution before agreeing, opening the door to game playing. In practice, the only known way to solve this problem is with agents and messaging. An active agent receives committed messages, decides on the outcome, and sends out messages committing to that outcome. Usability. The direct user of a blockchain is a developer who creates web apps for her end users. To support an end user, the software must support the developer, first and foremost, and it must do so in ways that help the developer to support her users. High impact support for the developer includes A, the tools, 
B, the language, and C, the environment. In the large, the EOS.io developer will be supported by a web-based toolkit that provides a fully serviced framework on which to build applications as distributed web-based systems coordinating over the blockchain. Accounts, naming, permissioning, recovery, database storage, scheduling, authentication, and inter-app asynchronous communication are all built in. A goal of the architecture is to provide a fully provisioned operating system for the builder of apps. Focus to the web because that's where the bulk of the users are. Language. Within our context of industrial scale distributed applications, the language for writing contracts is high on the impact list. Most every other architectural feature in the EOS.io software has solid foundation that is proven in BitShares and Steam, whereas the addition of smart contracts stands out as uncharted territory. It behooves us to analyze the language needs carefully. From the point of view of selecting technology for automated or smart contracting, the three stakeholders critical for success are one, the parties, two, the developers, and three, the operators. The parties need a contract that is, first of all, an actual contract. Parties also want the contract to be negotiable, readable, clear, and unambiguous. They need their human intent to be captured faithfully. Preferably, contracts should also be supported by options for dispute resolution and enforceability. The developer needs the language and wider system to be easy to learn and write in, as well as expressive and securable goals that often ignore higher semantics or contractual intent. Meanwhile, the operators of the blockchain, producers of blocks, and full node app businesses need the contract to be scalable and provide a reasonable basis for earning some revenue, interests that have little to do with human intent or developer expressibility. Taking the party's needs first, this pushes us in the direction of melding plain text legal prose tightly with computer code, glued with some parameters to drive the deal and reuse the prose and code over many contracts. Many research efforts aim to merge the two contract views of code and prose together as either higher order parameters or a legally expressive domain specific language but none have, as of yet, found this holy grail. This is an open research area with unsettled design choices. Along those lines, our first temptation was towards the developer, a source-interpreted scripting language based on REN, and customized to manage the design of a contractual message handler. This hybrid of REN is simple to learn, read, and reason about, making it ideal for automated contracting. However, it proved to be slow. A trial of trivial transactions capped out at 1,000 transactions per second, which brings us into collision with the needs of operators, our producers, and application businesses. As we are aiming for 100 times that level, the team switched to WebAssembly which is a new intermediate language designed to do the job that JavaScript currently does within browsers. WebAssembly's first unoptimized trial within the EOS framework delivered about 50,000 transactions per second for a currency contract. Yet, 
WebAssembly switches the challenge from the operators to the parties. There are now three tangible views over any contract legal pros. Source code initially in C and intermediate code in WebAssembly. Thus, it is a reasonable question to ask, what or where is the contract that the parties agreed to? I would like to face that question head on. In the two decades or so that I have seen contracts issued on the net as Ricardian or otherwise, and the hundreds of issues that have arisen from these contracts, I have yet to see a dispute or even a confusion where what the contract said or meant was key to the dispute. Even with the Dow, that ill-fated $150 million lesson in how not to issue a contract, the proximate cause was insecurity, and regardless of which side of the fence one fell in identifying the contractual significance of the hack, the response was to arbitrarily change whatever needed to be changed to get the money back. There was no organized, formal, or even vestige of an attempt to resolve the dispute over interpretation of the facts the meanings, and the rights. It is an open question what proportion of disputes in court are over meanings and confusions and what percentage are simply power plays and bullying. But I am not optimistic. In the face of the Dow and other experiences, I suggest that the rule of one contract looks dogmatic and overly constricting. Instead, at least for the unregulated part of the DLT space, there is opportunity to free up the components of the contract to achieve better performance, even at the expense of a little misalignment. Meanwhile, we should focus on governance and making dispute resolution available and comfortable to the parties. As of the time of writing, the set of languages available to the contract developer is a work in progress. Whether WebAssembly or REN or another, we will still need to structure the language for performance and usability. Each named message handler will need to identify sections for each of static, read-only, and read-write code, each having different potentials for optimization. To eliminate re-entrant users, outgoing messages will be stacked until completion or dropped on failure. We intend to add a SQL-like table structure to significantly ease adoption by those who are familiar with databases. Crypto will be external and mostly invisible. As with the entire space for DLT, the competition continues internally. REN is small and tight. WebAssembly is only just out of standardization. WebAssembly's early tools target C and C++, which are popular but are more costly to write code in, in comparison to high-level late-generation languages such as REN. These challenges should not be insurmountable in the longer run as the WebAssembly project is intended to work with most languages and the bulk of the code in any DAP is outside the handlers in the websites. The ability to accept many popular languages is enticing, an advantage available to Corda's JVM but not easily reachable by Bitcoin or Ethereum without a holistic approach to the developer cycle. In conclusion, there are dramatic compromises in the choice of language and toolkits for the developer that go beyond mere codability. We would like an easy-to-read and reason-scripting language that could speak in full contractual terms, be securable, and be scalable. But at the current state of the art, compromises have to be made. Governance. Let us now turn to the environment. It is a reality that things go wrong with automated processing of contracts to the distress of all. 
It is our hope to reduce both the frequency and the cost of those errors, but they cannot be eliminated entirely. And our approach is to build in remedial methods for when they do occur. A blockchain that is based on EOS.io software assumes that all who use the blockchain are members under a short constitution, and by agreeing to which, all members form a community subject to the constitution. The constitution sets down some basic rules for the benefit of the community. The constitution empowers three arms of governance, arbitration for resolving disputes, block producers for choosing blocks, and referenda for community voice. Arranged in an interlocking triangle of governance, these three arms support and counterbalance each other. Referenda are used by the community to vote in the producers and arbitrators, as well as changes to code and constitution. Arbitrators can deliver legally binding rulings to resolve disputes and also for extraordinary changes such as hard forks. Block producers are at technical liberty to censor bad transactions or introduce remedial ones, but are mindful of community reaction. Arbitrators publish rulings which producers might enforce or users might seek external enforcement. This counterbalanced arrangement ensures that no party or group has total power. Even founders or developers have only limited ability to affect the rights of the community members. Hard forks and other upgrades have a defined path, and individual disputes are channeled to a place where we can resolve and get back to business. A further benefit is that most of the above governance can be handled transparently, that is by writing contract handlers to accept and manage disputes, handle referenda, and the like. To make these institutions work, Users have to agree to the Constitution, which empowers the producers to choose blocks, and reserves all disputes into the forum of arbitration. As well, the Constitution creates the legal rights expressed in the blockchain by stating that each member receives those rights properly accounted for, and in return, each member supports the accounted rights of others. This trade of your rights for the rights of others becomes the cornerstone of the community in that the community is defined by both the usage of the platform and the agreement of the Constitution. And thus, we have preserved open entry even as the community governs itself internally. Even as a user transacts, all transactions from the first entry to the latest refer to the Constitution by hash as a Ricardian contract. As an explicit governance mechanism, the Constitution creates more of a fenced field than a walled garden, and the gatekeeper is automated as a transaction or signpost at all points. 5. Comparisons Bitcoin As the platform that launched the first and most successful cryptocurrency, Bitcoin is a baseline. Yet, as the first, its flaws shine as bright as its success. The UTXO verification model means that complex smart business has to be mediated through external code. The state is nicely locked on-chain, but the hard work of negotiation is done by the applications. It has no good framework for assets, especially as each transaction includes Bitcoin, and is thus an affront to Gresham's warning against commingling of assets. Good money drives out bad. Its lack of a thoughtful governance layer results that 
upgrades are very difficult and the community is at war with itself. For example, the artificial limit of three transactions per second that kills its scalability is because of the absence of governance. Ethereum. To rectify Bitcoin's weaknesses, Ethereum establishes a Turing-complete virtual machine capability on a worldwide computer. It has several major shortfalls. Firstly, it has a dramatically restricting requirement to find consensus on state over thousands of program executions, leading to resource congestion at around 15 transactions per second. Secondly, the decision to go it alone on languages, VMs, toolkits, and the like has caused a drag on developer capabilities. Thirdly, it suffers from the ad hocracy of the foundation that has emerged despite the refusal of major stakeholders to recognize the need for governance. As an emerging business proposition, use of Ethereum has been dominated by raising funds for projects mostly aimed at finishing Ethereum as a platform or competing with it. Few novel use cases have made their mark, suggesting that there is more work to do before the Ethereum concept of smart contract bears fruit. Corda. The primary distinguishing factor of Corda is that it is not a blockchain, but a framework for party-to-party workflow. Instead of posting contracts and actions to a blockchain, parties exchange messages and come to consensus via notaries. It achieves confidentiality for parties, high performance unconstrained by chain coordination, and the ability for parties to control the contracts as they succeed and fail. Yet, workflow works best with small numbers of parties, not large, hence it is weaker on issuance of assets, especially cash and cash-denominated trading. Another weakness is that Corda's walled garden approach for regulatory business stops it from being attractive to mass market for small players. 6. Conclusion User Experience The direct users of a blockchain such as EOS are the entrepreneurs and developers who write contracts to implement distributed applications or dApps. Their users are the routine customers in retail, finance, logistics, media. Those latter customers do not need to know what a blockchain is. Hence, the goal is to give the developers a platform that allows extensive business logic to be built but the mechanisms of communication are hidden. The DAP developer is given a fully capable accounts, permissioning and messaging platform in which to express the system. The user interface matches what users are familiar with, a web kit for building websites and of course access to the blockchain. This approach is expressed as an operating system for blockchain. The fact that there is a blockchain that can be hidden from the user as exemplified by Steam being just another blogging platform that happens to be distributed on a blockchain. Use cases. An EOS blockchain is intended for high-performance messaging with business logic. Popular use cases will include supply chain, resource management, user messaging such as social media, asset issuance and trading, accounting for remittances, and gaming. A typical use case might be Uber. Ridesharing is based on setting standards of behavior for the driver and for the passenger. If drivers and passengers were part of the same community, there would be an immediate benefit. The base of liability and standards of behavior would be covered under community constitution and dispute resolution, and their contracts could be bilateral rather than intermediated, thus minimizing any regulatory difficulties. 
Then, as the contracts can be bilateral, the business flow could be split up, tracking passengers in the market, tracking cars available, finding a match, negotiating a contract, performance, settlement, pricing, and social tracking could all be built as separate dApps that interact. Community. To support business, we need to solve problems. And to scale the solving of problems, it has to be done by the community itself, which means it has to be in the architecture. To advance community, we must preserve open entry, but on entry, provide the tools that users find useful for governance. Users want to determine their risks and obligations to their counterparties. When bound together as a community under a constitution, users will know that the rights, liabilities, and obligations of their counterparties are at least to a basic standard as expressed in a constitution and as enforced in dispute resolution. In addition, reliable names and a web of trust can reduce the anonymity of the internet and give people a sense of belonging to something important. And that concludes the EOS.io white paper. Dan Larimer has claimed that they are going to ship the EOS protocol on June 1st of 2018. So we can expect to see it by the summer. will be very interesting to see how it's able to deliver on its promises. I personally think the competition is really great for the space and really excited to see all these competing DAP platforms go face-to-face with one another. Again, this was the EOS audio paper. Thank you for listening. This is Derek Fiebiger, the Chief Investment Officer of Arturo Capital, and this is Arturo Capital's research lab where we take position papers, philosophical papers of blockchain projects and convert them to audiobook format. Take care.